girl next door. Well, hello there, Stephanie Podolik. Hey, Tamara Robbins Griffith. Welcome to Curl Next Door. Welcome to the podcast about curly hair, curly haired people, curly haired issues, curly hair styling techniques. Yeah. And for today's episode, curly hair, how to make product, getting a peek behind the curtain at the science of making hair product. We have a really exciting guest on we will tell you about momentarily. Yeah. And this was very exciting because when we had our friend Marisa on the show, she was talking about a curly haired influencer, well, she curl girl, right? Who uh, is really into the science behind hair care and hair. And I, I think you and I are also like innately interested in that. So really cool to kind of hear a little bit more about how product lines are developed and that kind of scientific perspective on beauty. Yeah. So before we get into that, we wanted to talk about this really great curly hair event that took place called CurlyCon. Okay. When you're listening to this episode, the conference will have been a week ago. But so Alicia May is the host and event producer and founder of CurlyCon. She emailed me a couple weeks ago, but we were so busy with some interviews we'd scheduled and just life and work. We, we didn't really have time to do an interview in advance of the event. But let me tell you, this thing looked amazing, was super busy. It was a virtual event, but I'm hoping one day that it will be live in person. And I know she's got CurlyCon 2023 lined up. She said in an Instagram post that she's got two other virtual events for 2022 lined up. Like there is a huge appetite for this. And it's to me, it's just so exciting. Well done, Alicia, for pulling this all together and somehow getting all these great creators and influencers and experts and brands on board. There's an audience for this. There's an appetite for this content. Yeah, it's super cool. So as you said, there's a huge range of speakers. And Alicia organized this virtual event. And it was technically really cool. Like you could go in and see these speakers present on video. And there's a live chat. And people would weigh in with where they were watching from or participating from. Mm -hmm. And there were people from all over the world. Germany, different parts of the US, different parts of Canada. So really global event. And what I found so exhilarating about that is that it's the curly hair that connects us all. And that's the theme. That's why we started this podcast is that curly girls get it. And you need to exchange those little bits of wisdom where you can, Mm -hmm. because it's always such a challenge to figure out how to manage your curls. So anyway, check it out, curlyconevent.com. Hopefully she'll be repeating it in 2023. Yeah. And so I did, so I popped in On Friday, you could kind of check out these virtual booths of all the brands. And then yesterday, there were a lot of speakers. And I guess it's interesting because when you think about doing it locally, because she's Canadian, but I guess if you did it locally, it wouldn't be the same because it really was a global event with influencers and experts and guests from all over the world. And so, I mean, maybe it just... Maybe it's meant to be virtual, but yeah, I mean, I'd love to see some of these people and chat and just be away from my kids. Like I thought it was so interesting. I thought a lot of the discussions they were having on the various panels were 
many of the discussions we have on this podcast as it relates to self-identity and like the learning curve and being overwhelmed by all the curly styling methods and not understanding too much protein, too little protein and, you know, culture in the workplace and discrimination and all of these things and seeing, I went into one group that was a panel discussion on culture and curls. I can't remember the name of it, but there was a panel of women of color and it was just, it was inspiring to me to see them all connect and talk about how they wanted their children to feel different and embrace their hair and that they'd seen changes in representation and marketing. Like it was kind of all the sides of curly hair that that we explore here. And so it just made me think like, you know, we're all kind of feeling the same things, thinking the same things, you know, all of these people kind of had a place in this event and in this kind of landscape and tapestry of like, who's part of this community. And everyone wanted to share advice in a way I've never heard before. They were just so delighted to take questions from the audience and impart Mm -hmm. their wisdom. And Mm -hmm. you had such an eclectic group of presenters that there was so much representation across all these different facets of curly hair. Super cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Anyway, it's just, this is the world we're in. And I wonder, like, I got, part of me is like, I'm, I'm curious about Alicia's pitch deck. I'm like, does she have stats? Because you and I met both working in marketing. And I'm just curious how big this industry is growing right now. Yeah. Right. What's like that all of these sponsors wanted to participate in the event too. Like, that's amazing. Yeah. Super cool. And shows kind of the growth of this segment of the beauty industry, right? Yeah, and I think it's so important as themes around inclusion and diversity keep growing, I think product lines and brands are keeping up. And so the topic is going to become just even more important. I'm like selfishly delighted that there was a whole conference just for me, like a curly hair (laughs) conference just for me. I mean, that we've arrived at a time where that's a thing. Yes, it's It's so exciting. It's a thing. Thank you, Alicia. Very cool. Yeah. Well, CurlyCon, hopefully she repeats it next year. Way to go, girl. Way to go, curl friend. (laughs) Way to go, curl friend. And we have next up a wonderful guest. Yeah, tomorrow we're super excited. We have Michelle Scott Lynch. She is the founder of Buclem, which is based out of the United Kingdom. Michelle is going to tell us all about her journey of creating this incredible product line and what it's like to run a business. Here we go. Michelle Scott Lynch is here with us today. She is the CEO and founder of Buclem. That is that the correct pronunciation? That is correct. Well done. Well, yes. we're Canadian. Yeah. We speak we're French. Canadian. <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay. That, so that is a bonus. Yeah. It helps us. We know accent grave, right? <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, Amazing. You're you have a UK based hair care line. And for Stephanie and I, we're really excited to have someone on the show who's on the product development side of the curly hair business and industry. We're very interested in your products and just product in general as we try to navigate our own curl journey. So welcome. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. 
Now, Michelle, since this is a podcast and our listeners can't see you, would Mm -hmm. you... We have to kind of set the stage a little bit. Would you describe your hair for them? Yeah, of course. So my hair's kind of like, I'd call it mid-length, like on my shoulders. And I have a mixture of textures. I have like really fine textured hair around the front of my face. And at the back, I've got like really coarse, thick strands that tend to not really curl as much. So I get really great curls here. And then the back is just a little bit less. It needs a little bit more work. And it's a little bit more high maintenance at the back. And then I have kind of like the back and the middle, like super, super tight, shrinky curls that literally just shrink up all the time, just in the middle, not at the ends. Um, so, you know, it's that, it's that amazing mixed bag that you have with curly hair, which one has to learn to embrace. Um, and I'd say, obviously, color-wise, it's brown. I've got a lot of gray coming through, which I kind of said, yeah, I'm going to embrace it. And then I'm like, no, no, I don't need to do that yet. I've got probably at least another 10 years before I actually need to embrace that. So I'm, I'm like a mixture of highlighting and low lighting at the moment. So yeah, hopefully that paints the picture. It does. It definitely does. And I empathize with the silver or not to silver <laughs> question. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I'm with you. So can you tell us a bit about the time in your life that you started to appreciate the beauty of your curls? Yeah. So, I mean, for me, it happened really late on in my life, which is a bit sad. I, for most of my life, I absolutely hated my hair. And, you know, in the UK, there were no really, no real kind of curly role models on, in the media, um, apart from maybe Scary Spice, which is a bit later on. (laughs) So there was no, there's like no one really representing and hairdressers didn't know what to do with curly hair. My mum didn't know what to do with curly hair. And so... I decided that I was going to just straighten it. And that's what I did probably from the age of 19 until I was 30, just consistently straightening. But even though I was straightening, I still couldn't be bothered with the actual blow drying straight. It just kind of was a looser curl pattern. So it was just, yeah, it was, it was just weird. When I look back at pictures now, I'm just like, oh my God, (laughs) why didn't someone talk to me about this? So we all need a curly, a curly mentor, right? Like we all need someone maybe to step in and be like, listen, this is what you need to do. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And I do remember one friend of mine and he was like, Michelle, you know, the clothes and everything are great, but you really need to sort that hair out. And I was like, like, yeah, but I just don't know how, what do I do? So anyway, I think I got to 30 and I started reading Malcolm X's autobiography And in that book, he has a section where he talks about, you know, the relaxing process, which they called conking. And back in those days, they used lye, which was really, really strong. And but there's still similarities to the relaxing process now in that, you know, you apply this cream onto your head and it does burn your scalp. It can burn your scalp and you can end up with these scabs and like oozing wounds in your head, which is what I had happened to me. And just that kind of whole process of like he can kind of like liken it to self-degradation like why would you put yourself through this process where actually it physically hurt to have like smooth straight looking locks to conform with one part of society's view of beauty and when I read that it like completely resonated with me and I was like that's exactly what I'm doing I am trying to conform I'm not embracing my curls and from that moment on I vowed that I was never going to straighten my hair again and I never have. And wow. then the, the process of curls was like an entire journey from there on. That sounds like a really dramatic moment. It's making me feel all the feelings because 
I mean, I'm not a person of color, but Mm -hmm. I did have relaxer put on my hair when I was young. And I also almost straightened it from my teen years till when I was about 30. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it was. It was a real like light bulb moment. And I don't... Maybe if it happened 20 years before, I might not have been ready, but it just like... It just spoke to me at that point in my life. And I was like, right, this is what I'm going to do. Yeah. So I don't know if this is exactly connected, but you also have... Because I read something on your website, but I know you have two daughters. Mm -hmm. So can you tell us a bit about them and their hair and kind of how some of your decisions now are influenced by them? Yeah. So my daughter, I've got two girls, one 16 turning 16 tomorrow. And the other one is 14. I know. Happy Um, birthday. (laughs) I will pass that on. I mean, obviously having shared a bit about my story, how I hated my hair, you know, never really felt comfortable with curly hair at a really young age. When my kids started going to primary school, um, I remember my eldest coming back home and just saying, oh, mom, I hate my hair. You know, I, I really hate my hair. And I was like, oh my God, this is my story. This is my story, like replaying. And I don't want that for her. And, you know, both of them have got quite different types of curls to me. So my eldest is kind of, she's got longer hair, but finer texture, uh, slightly looser curls, but still quite curly. And then my youngest has like, it's kind of like straight from the roots and just curls at the bottom. So completely different curls to me. And, you know, obviously I'd been embracing my journey, my curl journey at this point. And so I felt like I was a curly role model for them. I could be that. But there was, again, just this, even however many years on, this kind of feeling that curly hair wasn't, you know, a desired, desired kind of texture. Texture. Yeah. Look. Yeah. Look. Exactly. Um, from primary school. And, you know, and school can, you know, kids can be quite cruel. You know, they they say what they think and they don't hold back and... Yeah. So that kind of really resonated with me. And I was like, right, I don't want this to happen to her. And obviously, once I'd started on my curly journey, I then was like in this world of trying to find products. And, you know, I've always had quite a holistic approach to to life, like skincare, how I eat. So for me, it was really important that I was using curly products that were quite clean. I hate the word clean because, you know, there's several connotations with that, but, you know, plant-based you know, plant-derived um, products. And in the UK, there just really weren't any. So after I started to embrace my journey and my daughter had, had this kind of experience, I was like, you know what? Maybe maybe I should be looking at creating a, a curly brand. You know, why can't I do that? And amazingly, the internet was incredible then because there were curly girls all over the globe sharing their, their struggles, their tips and tricks which was really like my first hand knowledge and experience of learning how to deal with my own hair because no one else in my family or hairdressers could help me. So I really kind of read loads of blogs and, you know, really tuned in. And then I started making stuff in my kitchen. I was making gels, I was making conditioners. And I happened to meet this lady who's actually one of my best friends now, who, when I was had my kids were quite small. She basically went to university with a girl who created a bath and body care range over here in the UK. I don't know if you have it or you'd know it over there. It's called Cowshed. And oh, um I know Cowshed. So, yeah. So it's a Soho house. It's their kind of, it's their brand. It's what they they've created for their hotels. And her really good friend basically helped Cowshed helped Soho House create Cowshed. And she said to me, why don't I introduce you and see if she can help? And so I went to meet this lady, Chloe, who was amazing and really helped me kind of 
get the brand together. And I had like three products I wanted to create. And she introduced me to this incredible cosmetic chemist who was down in Somerset. And I mean, he's just like, he's just words fail me when I talk about him. I just love him so much. He's just going into his room because he's a specialist perfumer going into his room, like you're just hit with all these incredible smells because he makes them from natural essential oils. And it's just like a place. It's just so magical. That's all I can explain. All I, that's the only way I can explain it. It's such a magical place. And when I met him, I just knew, I was like, yes, this is it. It's going to work. That's we want to go there. Yeah. 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 I want to go into the magical plate, the magical <laughs> smell room. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's just so amazing. I love it. So how did you decide what to start with? You mentioned you had a few different products that you were testing out at the beginning or trying out, trying to make. Yeah. What, tell us a bit more about that process and how, like, yeah, what products you wanted to go after. I never, as a brand, we've never had investment. It's a self-funded business. Um, so I took my own money and, you know, I knew that I just wanted to kind of set out with like three core products, which was like a cleanser, a conditioner and a starting product. And that's what we did. So we started with a co-wash cleanser and a conditioner and our curl defining gel, which is our best-selling product. I basically took those products and went to him with a wish list of ingredients that I wanted, things that I'd researched. And yeah, it was just like this back and forth for about two years of like tweaking. He'd send me samples. I'd try them. I'd try them on me. I'd try them on my two girls because we've all got completely different curls. And then when it got to the point where I was like, yeah, this is working. This is working. This is great. It's working for all three of us. I then basically decided to kind of get a focus group of 20 other ladies, some of which I accosted on the street. Um, (laughs) I've wanted to do that so many times. (laughs) That's such a curly haired person thing to do. It is. Like talking to each other just about your hair and no judgment, right? Like I think anybody that I've seen and said, oh my God, your hair looks great. What did you use? Or who cuts your hair? Like, Yeah, they'll tell you and they don't look at you funny for asking. No, because we all know the struggle, right? That's right. Everyone's looking for their holy grail. So it was perfect. So yeah, that's basically what happened. And I and then I kind of did this like anonymous feedback form. So no one had to say who they were. So they could give really genuine, true, honest feedback. And the scores came out like came back like nine out of 10. And I was like, yeah, let's do this. So what year was it? How long how long ago? When did you so launch? So I actually launched in October 2014. But the whole kind of formulation process you know, it was two years before that, like going down to meet my guy and, and then the back and forth. And it took, I guess, as a, uh, as a thought process and it, it took a while, like probably two to three years to then actually be conceived and, and, and created. Great. And then how did you come up with the name? Yeah. So that was interesting. And in, when you try to trademark a, a brand, a name, there are so many rules and regulations. You can have this, you can't have that. It can't be this, can't be that. And I was like, okay, so you can't really call it curly. And also loads of names had already been taken, but it was really important for me that the name had the energy of curly in it. So I basically took that word and Googled it in lots of different languages. And in French, it's boucle. So it's basically a hybrid of the French word for curly and my name. Oh, very nice. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, I mean, we've had all sorts of Bouclem, Bouclemy, <laughs> you know, people don't often get it right, but that's okay. For me, it just felt 
it felt right. And um, we love the product packaging too. Sorry, Tamara. Yeah, no, it's the, okay. Yeah, it's really beautiful and just very easy to understand what to grab off the shelf. Yeah, and I think, you know, in the kind of natural space, yeah. most packaging is kind of like green, brown, you know, and it was really, that was like a really key point for us. So, you know, originally when I had my three products, the curl cleanser, the, the, the conditioner and the gel, and the fragrances are obviously inspired by kind of citrus and citrus fruits and mm-hmm. It was so we kind of used that palette as a kind of entry point for the colors. So we've got like light green, the light orange, and then um, the, the yellow to kind of reflect that. Makes sense. So I'm really interested now because this this chemist that you were working with specialized in perfume. So what was it like working with him to develop the fragrances? I mean, we have a lot of conversations about what products smell like, and you know, there's some very typical notes, I guess, that you come up against a lot in hair care product or curly hair care product. Mm -hmm. It's often like coconut or just botanicals. And so the citrus is different, but tell us about that process. Like, what do you want it to smell like? So, yeah, you know, you're right that they are, they tend to be coconutty, like, you know, exotic and quite sweet. And I never, I, I really don't like that. It just doesn't speak to me. I really hate that kind of sweet smell. And I don't like things that are too overpowering, but there are some curly hair brands that you put the products on and you can still smell them in your hair two days later. I mean, I, I don't want my hair care to overpower the perfume that I'm wearing, which I often find with some people, you know, you can smell the product in there. It's really, really quite strong. I wanted something that was fresh and just kind of evoked that kind of clean feeling and just uplifting the whole kind of fragrance experience was a, was a really like completely new for me because you know, you have like a fragrance wheel and there's like different elements of the fragrance wheel and trying to understand that and how to blend them and mix them. And, you know, I basically just went down one day and we just sat there and he poured it, you know, we kind of talked about the fact that I kind of wanted something clean and quite citrusy rather than kind of floral or um, herby or, you know, there's so many different aspects on that fragrance wheel. And that's kind of the, the route we went down and he would just basically kind of make up blends and then hand them to me. And I'd smell them and I'd go, mm, yeah, that's quite nice. Could we maybe take down the, the citrus a bit or could we increase this to kind of smooth it out a little bit? So it was just like this whole, it took a whole day of coming up with that kind of one fragrance and just the, the tweaking and the blending. And it's also, it's really hard as well because fragrance is really personal and different fragrances speak to different people. And I guess I kind of wanted something that was kind of in the middle and, and not too off-putting. But yeah, it was really just this incredible day of just sitting there adding different drops of this and that and yeah, making the magic happen. Yeah, that's so interesting. And you're never going to please everyone because scent is so personal. There's a quote on your website that we really liked. We're here to celebrate the hair you were born with, the hair that makes you you. Enough of the judgment. There's no right or wrong. Wear it any way you want. Wear it with style, your style. After all, it's yours. So uh, you've talked, I guess, a little bit about this sentiment, but maybe tell us some more and, and why you decided to put that in the about the brand section on the website. Yeah. So, you know, the idea behind the brand was obviously really about empowerment and empowering people to wear their hair naturally and, you know, and feel feel beautiful, feel confident. Um, so that was kind of like really the, the idea was always about empowerment, but I think once you move into the kind of curly journey, there are so many rules 
I mean, like there are so many rules and you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't. And I just feel like actually it's simpler. It's more simplistic than that. And we're all really different. We're all unique and we're all individual. And co-washing might work for one person, but it might not work for somebody else. But that doesn't mean you're doing it wrong. So for me, it's like really about removing rules, you becoming the master of your curls, you know. And so for me, that's really what Buclem is really about, empowering you to do things your way, feel confident and forget about the rules. You make the rules for you. Yeah. You uh, sound like the Yoda. It's like become your own hair Jedi master. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I like that. I do too. You That's can great. be hair Yoda. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yes. Can you explain the 30-day challenge to our listeners? Yeah. So our 30-day challenge was kind of really um, came about for people who are in one of two camps. You're either, um, you've got straight hair and you've been thinking about, you know, embracing your curls, but you don't really know where to start, or you are on your curly journey and um, perhaps you're using kind of more mainstream and synthetic based formulation products and you want to kind of um, move to something more plant-based. So the 30-day challenge is just really about creating your kind of essential tools, essential product tools to help you navigate your journey and when you sign up to do our 30 day challenge, we basically also, you kind of move into this email stream where we share tips and tricks, you know, application technique, how much product do you need? How water is really important and just kind of really try to kind of handhold as much as we can to help people navigate that initial part of that journey. Because, you know, as we know, lots of rules, it can be really, really overwhelming. So I just kind of wanted to simplify it and say, you know, you don't need loads of products. You Essentially, you need a cleanser, a conditioner, and a styling product to start with, right? You know, that's all you need. And once you get to learn what your hair needs, because, I mean, I'm not really into typing um, or labeling curls because, you know, we could both have 3B, but I might be fine. You might be coarse. Everything you might, I have, might have more density. You might have less. So curl typing doesn't really help. But really understanding what your hair needs, like, do you struggle to form curls? Okay, so then we need to look at products that are going to help you kind of form those curls and techniques that are going to help you to encourage curl formation. Do you need volume? Okay, so you need lighter weight products. So it's just really kind of understanding what your curl concerns are and then trying to create product, trying to kind of link you to the products that are going to help with that. But essentially, starting with three products is all you really need. And then you can navigate your way from there. Once you've nailed that, you can add on as you want or tweak because, you know, things change. Yeah. I like the idea of just trying to think about the problem and then you have a product that is the solution. It's a bit more scientific. I think that's really important. Yeah. I mean, I think the only one thing I'd say about curly girls is that often, you know, we're, we're product junkies. Yeah. So we're always trying yes. new products and yes. you could be adding in multiple products, new products at the same time, and you don't really know what's working. So I'm always like, take one, live with it for four weeks and then decide if it works or not. Yes, that's right. And that's just smart try, keep it simple. That's right. Four yeah. weeks, four weeks. You think it takes to try yeah. something? Yeah, I do. Because I think, you know, depending on, well, <laughs> I mean, that depends on, but I do yeah. think basically the formulations change are different and your hair just might need some time to adjust. And also you need to work out like some products are heavier, so you need to use less of them, but other products are lighter. So you might need to use more. So 
it can take you a few washes to work that out. Like how much do I need to use to get the results that you want? I mean, I like your idea that, you know, we don't need to be so complicated and some curly styling methods seem very intimidating at the outset, but it's a good point that it takes a while to get to know how to use each product. Because sometimes I think like Steph and I test a lot of product because, you know, it's part of the fun of the podcast. And I think sometimes it's like you try it once. Oh, how was that? And it's like, well, you're right that it might have to do with I don't know, a bunch of variables and you figure out each individual product after using it a few times. Yeah. Yeah. And also, you know, because obviously with our products, we always, and I'm probably pretty sure probably with most curly hair products, you know, water is really, really important. And, you know, getting that ratio right with the product is, is, you know, it takes a bit of fine tuning and it's easy just to kind of go, no, it hasn't worked and just chuck it out. And part of our customer service is, you know, you can reach out to us at any point. And if you're having struggles and we'll talk you through different ways of things of testing and trying things. And quite often we can turn people around, you know, they just haven't realized that they need more water or perhaps that's not the right cleanser for you. You might just want to try the other cleanser. And yeah, it's, it's all a test and learn and patience, Mm -hmm. lots of patience, lots of patience and maybe some bad hair days in there, but that's okay. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Right. Because every bad hair day, teaches you something. That's right. Oh, it's <laughs> such a like growth mindset. That's right. <laughs> you learn something from your bad hair days. <laughs> yes. So, yes. and do your customer service people talk on, go on a video chat with people or they no. explain it over the phone? So it's kind of more, it's more, yeah, everything's kind of email based these days. So it's more email based, but, um, you know, during the lockdown when salons were closed, we did like curl consultations where you pay like 20 pounds and you'd basically have a 20 minute slot with somebody and we talk you through and then you could use that voucher to buy products that you wanted afterwards. But it was like a really good way of just, you know, sounding out your issues and, and us trying to help. That's Very so cool. interesting. Yeah. So we, you talked a little bit about the, your holistic approach and wanting to create like a plant-based line from the outset. So Given that the line is, I guess, around eight years old now, is it? Yeah, in October, yeah, it will be, yeah. Something, okay. So how have environmental factors changed for you? Like, are, have your approach, has it changed? Are you working on any, any new sustainability initiatives? The world around us, like how has that impacted perhaps your formulations? Yeah, so I think when I first started, obviously there wasn't a choice in like componentry, like bottles, like everything was just plastic. And, you know, also being a small independent business means that you don't have the funds to buy them to meet the minimum order quantities that most corporates can. So, you know, we launched with just normal HDPE plastic bottles. Um, so I think that's probably like the first thing that changed when there was a new option available, which was basically called a biopolymer HDPE, which was kind of like a byproduct of sugarcane. So it just reduced carbon emissions rather than using fossil fuels in the plastic. Most plastic is made from fossil fuels. This is kind of a a more, a greener and more sustainable source. So that was kind of one of the first things. But I mean, I think like in terms of sustainability, that's always been important from the outset for us because our formulations being like from 92% to 100% naturally derived is like has always been at the forefront of what I was trying to achieve. And then we partnered maybe about six months after I launched with Trees for the Future. 
So if you buy a product, uh, a standard size product from our website, we will plant a tree. That kind of came about because my husband at the time was reading Naomi Klein, the Canadian author, Things have got things, something about change. Can't remember the, the name of the book, but this has oh. got to change or something like that. He was reading that. And it was all about climate change and and, and capitalism. And um, every morning he was like, oh my God, it's a nightmare. Well, you know, like all doom and gloom about the world. <laughs> and I was like, okay, okay, you're you're filling me with all this like really awful stuff is gonna happen. But you know, what can like what could I do? How can we change it? Like what what kind of small step could we do? And I was like, okay, perhaps I could deforestation was one of the big things. Okay. So I was like, okay, let's how do we remedy that? Reforestation, let's look at that. And then my father-in-law, who's really, really into kind of all environmental things, I just said to him, I think I want to work with a charity on that plants trees. And he went off and did this research for me and came back with Trees for the Future. And basically we linked up with them straight away and and I think we've planted something like 67,000 trees now. And the other part of that sustainability, you know, it's not just the planting of the tree. They also really help with communities, rural communities. So there's an element of like building businesses and legacies in like poorer communities. So it has kind of like a ripple effect, which I really, really love. And then, so I think now in terms of our sustainability, we're kind of really focused now on the manufacturing process and the lab that we work with have put in a biomass heating system, which means that when we produce our products, there's zero carbon emissions. So the actual manufacturing of the liquid that goes into the bottles has zero carbon emissions. And we're now kind of moving to new bottles, which are 30% PCR, which is post-consumer regrind, like so single-use plastic that would otherwise end up in landfill. And I've always wanted to kind of move towards PCR, but I was kind of like, pushed further forward with that because when it came to the biopolymer plastic, there's not enough. So you can have your sustainable goals, but the supply chain isn't fully catching up. So Mm -hmm. there are stumbling blocks along the way. It's not as simple as it looks. So we were doing biopolymer, but they were like, listen, we're not going to be able to do this for much longer. Your bottles will only be able to have 50% biopolymer. I was like, well, no, that's not going to work. That's definitely not going to work. So then we moved to PCR. And I wouldn't be surprised if in a couple of years they say you may have to reduce your, the amount of PCR because the ideas are all there, but actually the processes for collecting all the bottles and, and cleaning all the bottles just isn't quite where it needs to be. Well, it's amazing that you're doing the research and staying on top of it because I'm sure it is more challenging for a small business than a large mm. corporation. And uh you know, you can feel good yeah. about those choices and, and what your business stands for and that you're walking the walk. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, also with in Europe, they're kind of bringing in a new policy where you have, if you have just normal standard plastic, you will have to pay a tax on that as well. Mm-hmm. So I think what will happen is you'll see corporates or, you know, whoever quickly changing to kind of get over that barrier. It's not necessarily their intention but they are being forced to do it. So yeah. Right. And then they may open up opportunity for smaller businesses because then the manufacturers are going to now be forced to have more options. Yeah. I mean, that is, that's the potential positive side is that, yeah, you know, corporates can, you know, that they can kind of really change the supply chain really, really easily because they have the resources. So, so yeah, hundred percent fingers crossed. 
All right. Shifting gears just a little bit. This may be a really hard question, but if you had to recommend one product from your line for someone to test, someone who's never tried it before, what would it be? Ooh, yeah. It's like trying to choose one of your children. Isn't I it? know. Like, you know. Yeah. I know. <laughs> or another way to frame it up is you're going to a deserted island. You can only bring one. Mm. What's it going to be? Okay. So it would have to be our intensive moisture treatment. And I love this product for many reasons. It's such a versatile product. So if you've got fine textured hair, um, you can use it as a pre-shampoo treatment. It just helps to kind of counteract the dehydrating effects of shampoo on your hair and the detergents in shampoo. It can be used as a leave-in for coilier, you know, like more coily hair types, and it can be used as a deep conditioning product. So for me, you know, you've got different choices there on how you use it. But I love to mix that product with the curl conditioner. For me, when I like transitioning seasons and I feel like my hair just needs a bit more, I kind of use that for a few weeks and it just really, really helps. And then I also love to use it on holiday mm. and I, re- I will add it. I will add some of our Revive 5 hair oil to it because the Revive 5 hair oil is like a thermal and UV protectant. So I can add that in there, give it a bit more moisture, which gives me a bit more protection while I'm bathing in the sun. Um, and yeah, so I, cause I can just use it in different ways and I can add, I get, well, I'm only allowed to have one though. And I, so I, I don't know why I'm talking about these other things. <laughs> it's a chameleon though. The product, it checks yes. a lot of boxes. It does. It does. And it's just really creamy and slays through tangles. And yeah, I love it. Yeah. Good answer. <laughs> I used it this morning, although I didn't mm-hmm. leave it in for 20 minutes, but I found that it was really, really moisturizing. And I do like the fact that a lot of conditioners are kind of versatile in that way that you can use it as sort of a bit of a styling product or an extra layer of moisture. But I I really enjoyed it too. So that's a good pick. Yeah, good. So now you've got different ways in which you can try to use it. So yeah. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) We love that. So thank you so much for joining us. Do you feel like there's anything else you would like to tell our listeners? Like sort of one, you know, any last thoughts or or advice for somebody who's struggling or just about trying to make the decision to start letting their hair be natural? Yeah, kind of like a key takeout is that, you know, it's a marathon, not a sprint, if you're just starting on your journey. And try not to compare your curls with somebody else's, you know, Instagram and TikTok and all those things are great, but also can kind of leave you feeling like, full of envy <laughs> and stealing your joy. So really it's about just kind of focusing on what you have, really learning to understand your hair and what it needs and introduce things slowly one at a time, spend some time getting to know that product and it may work, it may not work and that's okay. Yeah. I'm trying to think of other things that I think are really essential diffusing. That's the thing that's quite interesting to talk about. Like I've never really got on with diffusing I found that it kind of make my hair more frizzy. So, you know, drying your hair, experiment with air drying, or some people can diffuse their hair from wet to completely dry, but maybe you could try diffusing for up to 50% and then leaving it to air dry the rest. I find that also really works. So I think the key takeout is experiment, play, and don't get bogged down too much in the rules and what other people say. Just really play with your products and experiment with your hair. I love that. It's good advice. Good parting words. Yeah. (laughs) We like your chill vibe. You're like very calming for somebody who's like, ah, 
ah, I don't know what to do with my hair. I'm so yeah. overwhelmed. It's like, just listen to Michelle. That's right. <laughs> you know, I feel like I'm the least... At a time. <laughs> yes, one thing at a time. I'm probably the least calm person ever. But yes, with this, that is the one thing I have learned. And yeah, take the pressure off. Just take the pressure off. <laughs> Good. Take yeah. the pressure off yourself and your hair. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us today, Michelle. And, you know, we look forward to seeing what other new products you come out with and keeping an eye on the line and where it's available in Canada. I know you ship to Canada and I think it's it's in some other stores too and online retailers here for people. Yeah, yeah we're big fans. Good. Yeah. Amazing. Well, so nice to meet you, Michelle. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. It was really lovely to meet you both. Have a yes. lovely day. Bye. 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 Tamara, I feel like my knowledge cup is spilling over. That was so <laughs> interesting. And can we run to the magical wizarding room of product development? That's the coolest. I know. I bet it smells really good in there. Yeah. I wonder what it does smell like because it's a cornucopia of scent. They probably have a lot of coffee beans. I mean, we didn't ask her this, but I'm like, do you smell coffee? I always want to know, like a perfume counter. Do you smell coffee beans in between when you're trying to decide what your brand is going to smell like? Totally. I know. I was thinking that too. That's funny. (laughs) Anyway, thank you, Michelle, for joining us today. How did you, Mm -hmm. Tamara, how did you find the product? I really enjoyed it. And I I took her advice and I did try it, you know, more than once before Mm -hmm. we're recording now. So I'll continue to try it. But I I think that was really great advice she gave about maybe not making a decision right away if you try something just once, because there's so many variables. Yeah. So I used, I think the first time I did the, um, the hydrating cleanser, I used the conditioner, curl cream, and then their curl defining gel, which is the one she really loves. And it's a really lightweight gel. And I I enjoyed it a lot. But then I was also like, let's try more stuff. And so the second time I used it, I did the intensive moisture treatment, which is basically their mask. And then I still did the cream, but I switched up with the heavier gel. And I actually got a better result with the heavier gel. Now, again, like I should try it again and again to see was it just the day? Was it other variables? Like who, you know, am I keeping track? Yeah. Need to contact that like hands curls and buy one of her curly journals. That's right. But I think it's interesting and it's just a testament to, okay, well maybe my hair needs more of a cast, a bit of a heavier gel as opposed to the lightweight gel. So it's just cool. I mean, it's a luxury we have when she sent us an assortment to try. That's great. But I do think for, that for the average listener who's buying products and trying things, step outside of your comfort zone. So if you're used to a heavy gel, try a lighter gel. If you're used to a light gel, try the heavier gel and you know experiment with the amount and experiment with how much water you're mixing in with it and then see what happens because... You know, one thing that I heard from Michelle and also from some of the speakers at CurlyCon was everyone's different. You're not going to be the same as that other person who gave Mm -hmm. advice. And so Mm -hmm. just keep playing, keep, get your fingers in your hair and keep trying things and, and see how it goes. Agreed. I had a similar experience, very positive experience, particularly Mm -hmm. with the curl cream and curl defining gel. So Mm -hmm. much so that I had never received so many compliments on my hair. 
Oh, and my hair lasted the longest between washes it ever has. Oh, that's how many days? How many days? Six. Six days? Yeah, which... Good for you. I I was doing it just to test the limits. Okay. And I used it in combination with some other things, including the flip section method for uh, brushing out my hair and how to put the gel in. And when I was sleeping, I'm always wearing my sleep on it. So I managed to make it last a really long time. And so similarly to what you were saying, I'm going to try to keep up this routine for the month. Mm -hmm. So that I can try oh. to replicate the results. Yeah. Yeah. And was day six like in a bun? Yeah. Day, by day six. But yeah. A couple, still. to be fair, like a couple of those days were clipped up. Yeah. Yeah. But still, it's still day six. Yeah. I mean, I'm lucky to get to day four. Yeah. I've usually, I've never lasted six days. And then I did it in, for a second week and I, it's not going to last six days. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it just is a proof point that not you do have to test out product for a long time because every experience is going to be a little bit different. Yeah. Well, and and you can't see my new hair, but I got my hair cut because I really needed a trim. So it's pretty short because still there's so much shrink. And I don't know if every hairdresser, including Joey, thinks about that. But I talked to him for the first time about exactly how I'm sectioning my hair when I'm styling it. And he tailored the haircut around my sectioning styling method. That's cool. Which was interesting. And so proof will be after, you know, a few weeks or a month, like, was this the right way to go? But I was telling him, like, listen, I'm doing it like this. And then the pieces are all like, these pieces are too long, but I've got their forward. And however I style them and section them and they dry that way, they kind of want to stay going in that direction. Yeah. So we did we did more pieces like kind of on the top of my head that are coming forward, essentially like increasing the thickness of my bangs. But it doesn't really look just like bangs. It's kind of Yeah. The way it's falling. I love that you sort of reverse engineered it though, based on how you want to brush out your hair. You gotta cut according to that styling technique, which is really smart. Mm-hmm. Well, I also think it's just it's almost like he's part of the journey too. And being that every curly hair, I mean, there might be people like Nubia who's like, no, I have my method. Let me do my method on you and let's just run with this. And I would love her to cut my hair and see what happens. But also for him, because he's like such a down to earth, gentle kind of sweet guy. I'm like, listen, this is what's happening right now. When I'm styling my hair based on the way we cut it, And what do you think? What's the answer? So we were problem solving together. I love it. Let's end on that high note. Your hair (laughs) looks beautiful. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Have a good week. Bye. Bye. Goodbye.